Hi, and welcome to Stefan Libera Podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics. Today, we're talking about whether Bitcoin maximalism is still needed. This show is brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, and Swan Bitcoin is organizing Pacific Bitcoin. This is a new conference. It's going to be on November 10th and 11th in LA, California. This is going to be the biggest Bitcoin-only conference ever. Hang out with thousands of Bitcoiners from around the globe. I'm excited to be there, and there'll be a bunch of your favorite Bitcoiners there. You can ask questions on the Q&A stage, and you can hang out at the conference and the events throughout the week. This one is optimized for fun with sports, games, music, photo ops, and high fives. This will be just one part of the overall LA Bitcoin week. So come and join us at the inaugural Pacific Bitcoin Conference in LA on November 10th and 11th, 2022. The website is pacbitcoin.com. Voltage is paving the way as the leading enterprise-grade Lightning solution for anyone building on Layer 2. Lightning is the future for Bitcoin payments, and you can't overlook this anymore. Voltage helps to integrate Lightning and payment infrastructure into your solution quickly and hassle-free. So whether you need to scale your Bitcoin nodes by the thousands, or whether you are just a merchant who wants to set up and take payment, or whether you are just a person who wants to run your own Bitcoin node in the cloud, Voltage can help you. They can help you running either a Bitcoin node, an LNG, node or a BTC pay server node. So go and check them out. Don't stumble on your own infrastructure. Go and get started at voltage.cloud. So today, Pete Rizzo, editor at Bitcoin Magazine and editor-at-large at Kraken, rejoins me on the show to talk about Bitcoin maximalism. There has been some discussion recently on the role of, of so-called toxic maximalists, and Pete has clarified some thinking on this in his recent article, as well as some discussion on the topic. So we chat about Bitcoin maximalism, social and cultural arguments, technical aspects, and whether it is still needed. Pete, welcome back to the show. Good to see you, bud. So, Pete, it's been a while and obviously, uh, you know, had a chance to catch up back in Miami and I've seen um, some of your work recently. Obviously, this whole debacle has come up again and I thought it'd be good to have a chat again. So, yeah, do you want to just give us, from your point of view, what has spurred this recent round, this recent debate again? Now, look, the debate about Bitcoin maximalism has waxed and waned, but what spurred this recent round? Yeah, good question. Uh, so for those of you who don't know me, Pete Rizzo, editor of Bitcoin Magazine, also editor at uh, Kraken Exchange. Uh, so yeah, my work for a while has been focused on exploring Bitcoin maximalism, you know, looking at what it is, trying to objectively define it. Uh, it's something that I think, you know, has been discussed in the space for a while, often as like a criticism of people who are in Bitcoin, right? So I think that you know, kind of at the base of this whole controversy is essentially a lack of definition, right? So you have a group of people who are, you know, convinced at this point that that Bitcoin is the innovation and the invention of the sector that is the one worthwhile thing worth focusing on within cryptocurrency. Uh, and then you have, you know, people who reject that belief, right? And they might have a financial incentive uh, to do so, right? So I think what really spurred this recent round was obviously, you know, a very prominent person who was associated with Bitcoin uh, positively, Nick Carter, a venture capitalist at uh, crypt, uh, Castle Island Ventures. Uh, to even call him a, a venture capitalist is a product of the recent controversy, I would, ar- <laughs> I would argue, because he's, he's largely been looked at, you know, as sort of a public defender of Bitcoin, through his work and papers. And, you know, essentially, uh, he made an investment, uh, people in the Bitcoin community felt that was not aligned with their ethos. And I think really what supercharged this was the reaction to it, uh, which was essentially, you know, uh, this turning into, or Nick kind of using this forum to basically unload on everything that he doesn't like <laughs> within the Bitcoin community, right? And I think this has come after a time in which, you know, his work on Bitcoin has mostly been positive, right? And external is focused on, you know, people who are uh, sort of the enemies of Bitcoin, right? So I, I think it was, it was a very interesting thing for a lot of people to witness because essentially you had this great public defender of Bitcoin, you know, be confronted with criticism. And then, you know, there's just this barrage of material, uh, and again, we can get into the specific material <laughs> that he released, but, you know, essentially uh, faced with this one piece of criticism, you know, we were treated to sort of a laundry bag <laughs> of uh, critiques that, you know, apparently Nick has sort of been building up, you know, and I think this is a broader conversation about just how people create content within the Bitcoin world, right? And how deferential you are to the Bitcoin base. So, you know, I think Nick did a very good job of, you know, putting out work that was positive for Bitcoin, but he wasn't very critical of Bitcoin within that. And then so there's this disconnect, 
right? And from that, you get a tremendous amount of emotion on either side. And, you know, that just escalated the whole thing. And so once again, you know, the Bitcoin maximalism is 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 being debated. Uh, my argument is that is simply a sign of its relevancy. Uh, otherwise, it would not be debated. But yeah, I think, you know, um, I've been talking about this publicly for a while, right? I think in a in every bear market, you see a sea change in terms of how people view Bitcoin as a technology. Uh, I see this as the opening salvo for that, right? The bear market is really great at tearing down the previous idols in the space, and and I and I think this is you know the, the starting gun <laughs> for whatever is coming next. So. Right. And so historically, uh, there's been a bit of a meme in the Bitcoin world that every bull market requires a sacrifice. And so uh, in years gone by, as I'm sure you're aware, there was uh, Mike Hearn famously wrote a piece very anti-Bitcoin. And, and, and ironically, or unfortunately for him, he wrote that, I think, in early 2016 or early 2017. And then we saw this huge bull run and so on. But anyway, uh, back to the topic of Bitcoin maximalism, I think it would be useful to talk about the definition, because I think that is actually one of the issues is that perhaps people are all working off different definitions and some people are perhaps blurring that line for their own benefit. Yeah, this is tough because I think, you know, Bitcoin is uh, was an invention, right? It was created by someone who's no longer in the community. And the current Bitcoin product is a, is a product of those individuals, right? So nobody nobody here who's in Bitcoin today uh, was, was a product of that founding or, or launch of Bitcoin, right? So, you know, you have this, this phenomena where, you know, Bitcoin culture has very much emerged in reaction to other things, right? So I think if you really trace the lineage of Bitcoin maximalism is where does it come from uh, well, in an environment where there's only Bitcoin, you know, does Bitcoin maximalism exist? And I think the answer to that is is no. It requires some equal opposite thing. Uh, and so, if you really trace the history of it long enough, you know, you really find that that originally Bitcoin maximalism is a reaction to the emergence of the cryptocurrency space at large. You know, which is the entrepreneurial effort to recast, remake, improve, rebuild, replace Bitcoin, right? So. Bitcoin maximalism is reactionary by default, right? I think this is one of the things that Nick really missed in the piece is that essentially you don't have Bitcoin maximalism in isolation. And in a world where Bitcoin is the only money and it's the only digital money that people are building on, it effectively has no purpose. There's nothing for it to oppose. <laughs> so, so it exists in opposition to something. Uh, the thing that it exists in opposition to uh, is the cryptocurrency industry, right? And so that first sort of metastasizes in a very explicit technical definition, right? This idea that you know we can build and it is possible to build you know pretty much everything that you could on any other cryptocurrency uh, within Bitcoin, right? Everything that that you would you would want to rebuild within the context of a decentralized financial system. So again, let's let's we'll put a huge asterisk on that, but that's the original definition. I, I, you know, I, my argument in the piece that I wrote for. Forbes, uh, you know, really is that it's become a lot more cultural and there's different components to it now, right? So I think that, you know, and I laid out a definition with essentially three points. One, it's that Bitcoin is a computer science invention and that invention is a working non-state monetary system. Uh, and that, you know, through that lens, if you see Bitcoin as a free market monetary system, you know, powered by computer science, uh, every other cryptocurrency competes with that definition. Uh, the second, you know, part of that is that most people who are Bitcoin maximalists think it's wrong, immoral, stupid, or uninteresting to build, <laughs> to build on other cryptocurrencies. I think they get hung up on their specific flavor of being disinterested in it. But, you know, there's the combined disinterest, right? It's not interesting. That's, that's the implicit claim. Uh, and then the third part is that essentially, you know, anything we can do within another cryptocurrency on a long enough timeline, and again, this is where it gets very debatable, you know, you can do with Bitcoin, right? That's only limited by our ability to improve it. Uh, and that the correct and moral thing to do rather than build something elsewhere on another cryptocurrency is to build it on Bitcoin because, because it provides the greatest good, right? Because you're going to assume that Bitcoin you know, is going to last for a thousand years and people will continue to find value in it, right? So I, to me, I think those are the, essentially the three current components, but I would also argue uh, that it exists to solve, you know, pretty defined questions, right? So in an environment where there are many cryptocurrencies, uh, why would you invest in only Bitcoin, right? Why would you build on top of Bitcoin? And why would you choose to build a business that supports only Bitcoin when the financial incentive for you to do that for many cryptocurrencies, which may or may not be useful, uh, is simply larger, right? So you see this a lot in the terminology Bitcoiners use around exchanges, right? It's like shitcoin casinos is, is essentially the meme, right? Uh, but the meme exists because the financial incentive for cryptocurrency businesses in the space is simply to 
buy and sell many cryptocurrencies because that is aligned with their business model. So my argument is that modern Bitcoin maximalism exists to solve some pretty important questions, right, about how Bitcoin will evolve. Uh, and it exists in opposition to a set of economic incentives uh, to which there is no equal or opposite financial incentive. And so in response to that, you really see modern Bitcoin maximalism as, you know, really enforcing like a cultural boundary, right? That it is okay to do something, some things, or it's moral or right or righteous to do a set of things, uh, and it is amoral to do another set of things. And so now you're sort of really getting into what I think Nick is actually trying to critique, which is that that, you know, his assertion, and I think he's, you know, piggybacking on some other thinkers in the space, Udi Werthermeyer being kind of the you know, the principal one, which is that this defense mechanism is has outlasted its, its usefulness and, and that it should be discarded, right? So when, I, so when I think what Nick is saying when he's saying reject Bitcoin maximalism, I think what he is saying is he's specifically objecting to that. My counterpoint to that is that in doing so, he introduces no other claim to satisfy the issue, right? Because again, if you're going to reject Bitcoin maximalism, if you're going to say, okay, well, we no longer require this social or moral penalty for people who don't build on Bitcoin or support Bitcoin, you know, let's just take Jack Dorsey for an example, right? Uh, let's just say Jack decides to support many cryptocurrencies, which you know he has, right? He tried to, uh, you know, and Twitter did add NFTs at one point, right? Uh, but then the reaction to that, you know, mitigated that, right? So there's this sort of social response uh, which tries to dictate or enforce action. And I think it's pretty much universally uh, the reaction of intellectuals uh, in the space. Uh, and I would say like Nick being one of them and even myself, like for many years, it's, it's pretty much universal that their reaction to that is negative because they see it as being uh, either dishonest or disingenuous or uh, associated with sort of like a mob like, you know, belief system type behavior uh, that they don't you know, again, you can't intellectualize it because it is not an intellectual thing. Uh, so all this is to say, I think, you know, <clears throat> we've really opened up kind of like a new battle front in, you know, the industry right now. And I think, you know, Nick's claim is essentially we need to move past or reject, you know, Bitcoin maximalism. Uh, and I think there's obviously people who are going to oppose that. I think the point in writing the piece that I wanted to raise is that, you know, look, if you're going to, to make such a strong claim, if you're going to say, oh, let's re reject the entirety of the system, uh, you have to then answer the questions that the people are asking, right? You have to solve the problem that people want to solve. And the, and the question is, why build on Bitcoin when the financial incentive is greater elsewhere, right? So if you're going to propose that you, we tear down the system, uh, what exactly are you suggesting? And I think this was a big problem with a lot of Udi's, you know, remarks as well as like, you know, there's this idea that we need to kind of purge, you know, this ideology uh, completely, uh, just because they find it annoying or, uh, you know, cult-like or whatever. Uh, but they don't actually, they're not attempting to understand what it's trying to achieve. Uh, so they're just yelling at it, <laughs> you know, and they're not really getting very far. Uh, and I and I suspect they will continue to not get very far uh, as long as they continue to, to be uh, uninterested in, in solving the problems that people are using the ideology to try to solve. I don't know if that's too long of an explanation, but... Yeah, okay. Uh, so let me offer another way of thinking about it. I think it's related to how you're thinking about it. I mean, the way I think of Bitcoin maximalism is just, I think, do you, if you believe that Bitcoin is going to be the money of the world or that we're going to live on a Bitcoin standard, I say you're a maximalist. I think that is a maximalist... You know, you believe Bitcoin will be the money of the world. Now, there are, let's say, I guess, different flavors or subcultures inside that, right? You've got some people who choose to be Bitcoin only. I'm Bitcoin only. I don't hold any other coins. You know, I work at Swan. Swan is Bitcoin only, right? It's we, in a way, I, I, and I certainly agree with a lot of the definitions, aspects that you're talking about, that that idea of investing in other cryptos is either wrong, stupid, immoral, uninteresting. I think probably the answer is that a lot of Bitcoin maximalists, let's say, if we're using that definition, they're just interested in fixing the money first and foremost. That's what they're fixated on. Now, to bring in, I guess, some of the arguments from the people who are kind of raging against maximalism now recently, it seems that the arguments are, this is how I understand it, and you tell me how you're seeing it as well. So as I'm seeing mm. it, saying, you guys are sort of making these 2017-era arguments when there were all these ICOs, and that's that's gone now. And secondly, you should also look at how, many, how much volume there is on these other coins and look at all these stable coins that are operating on other coins. 
what mm. you know, like why you know bitcoin is not solving for that what's what's your answer to that bitcoin maximalist is kind of the the question that is being asked right yeah so i think this is where you get into like sort of the there needing to be some sort of reason that is presented by the people who are anti-bitcoin maximalists right so anyway so you have the bitcoin maximalists right uh who are in the position of saying you know we want to grow and support bitcoin as you said i would agree bitcoin is the money of the world so how do we support it when the financial incentive for you to attack it, sell that fake solution to the market, and then profit from it is massive? And again, look, I mean, the people who want to say that things have really changed, I mean, SafeMoon, Shiba Inu, <laughs> like, you know, there's this, there's implicit, and again, this, is, this comes from the overall intellectualization of the argument. Uh, and again, it's like uh, being an intellectual type person, it's, it's hard for me to make this argument, but essentially, you know, it's like Udi and, and Nick, I think, want, they want to focus on the stuff in cryptocurrency world that is, you know, the best of, of the class, you know, you want to say, right? So they want to focus on the things that they think the good builders who are doing the good things, you know, are doing and say, oh, well, things have changed. Well, the status quo is still Elon Musk going on SNL and, and pitching Dogecoin to people. It's still, you know, uh, Coinbase adding Shiba Inu and like emailing their customers about it because the people who work at the exchange do growth marketing and that that's what they know. So they just conflate Shiba Inu with Bitcoin. So, so again, like there's, uh, this is where I'd say, it's like while I'm sympathetic to what they're doing, they're trying to they're, what they're trying to do is they're trying to say, hey, there's this group of other cryptocurrencies that are achieving things in the short term that Bitcoin is not currently able to do. This was really the strongest part of Udi Wertheimer's argument, which is essentially that, you know, and again, we're seeing this with Celsius and BlockFi and the centralized lenders, right? So the, the Bitcoin maximalists, by and large, have supported centralized financial intermediaries in the crypto space. They have. They have done this. <laughs> the, almost everyone uh, who has a, a Bitcoin maximalist or Bitcoin-only podcast is a sponsor of one of these companies. And, and what the, their users do is that they give them their Bitcoin. Those companies take that Bitcoin, they lend it out, uh, and they either do that responsibly or not, right? And so in the DeFi world, essentially, you really have the same thing going on, right? People are putting Bitcoin or in many cases, mostly other assets, they're locking it in some port protocol that is being custodied. That protocol is then lending against it. Uh, and then, you know, essentially, uh, you know, the argument here is that, you know, again, this is where it gets <clears throat> really into splitting hairs. But, you know, the argument that's being presented is that what's currently happening in the cryptocurrency world is that we're decentralizing financial intermediaries. And that if you really look at the behavior, well, what, what are the products and services of these new protocols, the ones that are good, right, the ones that we're going to separate out from, from not being the, the obvious scams, uh, that they're very comparable to what the centralized entities are, and that they also have less risk for the users. That's, that's the claim, right? Uh, but anyway, my main point on this is to say is like, if that was the subtext of the argument, and that was entirely what we're talking about, sure, we can debate those points. But that is not what's happening in the industry. That that is not what these companies are are currently doing. That's that's not the current conversation, right? That's not really, I think, what Bitcoin maximalism is is, is currently opposing. It is currently opposing the broad miscategorization of Bitcoin as being equal or even close to in comparison to the other cryptocurrencies. And so again, all of this becomes like very muddy, right? And so again, do I think there are legitimate questions to explore here? Sure. I've been very open with Udi about thinking that his argument about, you know, uh, decentralized custodians versus centralized custodians and those products and services, is there an argument there that Bitcoiners should be having? Ab absolutely. I think, but you have to actually write that argument down. You have to evangelize for it. And then you have to do it in a way that doesn't sort of antagonize, you know, people who are against it, right? And I think this is the big, the other big problem with Nick's argument is, again, it's by virtue of him writing this post in reaction to being attacked, it undermines almost the entirety of it because it, it calls into question why he's saying these things now versus some other time, right? So he again, we have the whole question of like, why are we bringing this up now? If it was a problem to you six months ago, you know, why didn't you say anything about it? Right. So again, you have this sort of lens, which is like, okay, why are we discussing this? So yeah. again, I think there's, yeah, there's actually on that mm -hmm. point, just, I guess I could now, obviously I'm, I'm in the Bitcoin side myself, but let's, let's be fair to Nick. He could say, look, I've been investing in altcoins and altcoin companies and, uh, you know, doing all these other things for years. Why did you, Bitcoin, you know, and from his point of view, why did you Toxie Maxis go after me now for this investment in this company, Dynamic or Dynamics, I believe it's called? He could say that, right? He did say that. I mean, <laughs> I mean yeah. that's essentially yeah. the, the claim that he made. I, my argument to that would be, I think there's also been, you know, something that's happened in the space, which is that the major influencers have largely, you know, 
played Bitcoin only to social media. Like it's, it's very obvious that the strategy has been going on. People have been they're Bitcoin only on social media. And then behind the scenes, you know, it's sort of anything goes. Right. So uh, you see this sort of, you know, again, it's, it's just sort of like there's this willing like theatrics to it. Right. Where in public, you sort of play the Bitcoin defender and then behind the scenes, you sort of support uh, the crypto industry. Right. So uh, this is another, you know, critique of Bitcoin maximalism generally. Right. Is that it's resulted in this phenomena, which is, you know, that essentially there are people who actually don't believe the things that the movement supports, but then they do so in public for their own benefit. And I think the claim here is that, you know, it's unclear, you know, if that's something Nick did. I don't think that's something I really, you know, maybe want to litigate. I think what I wrote in the piece is like either way, right? Either way this happened, right? Either way he either through his own actions or through the media that portrayed him. Because again, there's the media component, right? Like Nick Nick Carter was often on panels about, you know, and I I, I talked to this about to people about this at the Bitcoin 2022 because I was asked about this and I was asked, okay, well, what do you think about you know what Nick's doing? And I said, what's really interesting is that he's often always talking about two things. It's either proof of work and how it's specifically a unique invention, or he's talking about you know, the decline of the US dollar, you know, and Bitcoin's role within that. And I said, it's very interesting that he that, you know, often he never talks about anything else. Uh, And well, you know, we have an answer to like, you know, partially to that. Well, why is that? So again, like you're now we're sort of faced with it's like, okay, uh, is did we create that? Did he create that? It was this a willing participation of both parties, right? Um, And I think that, you know, this is another side effect of Bitcoin maximalism, right? If you're going to socially police people, uh, then you set yourself up to sort of be, you know, either create false heroes or you create disingenuous conversation. Uh, and, you know, whatever you want to think about how the situation evolved, uh, it's bad either way. I think both parties were likely involved, us, the audience, and Nick as the person who was venerated. But again, like, you know, the whole thing is that really what we're talking about here is now there's this big cloud of dust around what the actual argument is. And again, the actual argument is, are these behaviors relevant? Like, should we continue to, you know, maintain this social culture around Bitcoin, right? Is is that valuable? Has that actually created meaningful change? Uh, and is it true? Like, is it does it reflect reality, Right. Uh, or, you know, and I think this is the worry of some of the other people in the camp is, does it create a condition under which, you know, the people who are pushing for that ideology are going to find that it's not true and they're going to abandon it. Right. So the argument I think is that from that point of view is that, okay, you know, great. You've got Jack Dorsey, he's Bitcoin only and, and Michael Saylor is Bitcoin only. Uh, but you've, you've told them something that's wrong and that will need to change. And then you will end up looking bad because what you're saying is inaccurate. That's their claim. Right. Uh, but that's that's what they're saying. So, again, I think there's this there's this idea about, you know, what is trying to be achieved here and is it being achieved in a responsible way? Right. And again, you can see all sorts of people in the industry like McCormick, Peter McCormick, you know, another podcaster in space constantly, you know, chafes at the at the Bitcoin maximalist movement because it is intellectually rigid. Right. You you have to prescribe to a set of ideas. <laughs> right. And I think I tried to outline that made my pieces, but just being clear on what those ideas are. Right. Like if you are seen as someone who's supporting other cryptocurrencies or supporting other cryptocurrency protocols, you are someone who's attacked because we are trying to discourage those behaviors. I think the legitimate criticism here is like, OK, well, if you if that's your goal, this is discourage those behaviors. Is, is there another way to achieve that? I don't have an answer to that. I don't think Nick presented an answer to that. I don't think that means that that's not a good question. I think it's the right question, right? You can't socially police everyone. It's not reasonable. It's not reasonable. Uh, but I think it's the best thing that's happened so far. And I think, again, it's it's not really... You can get into whether it's like social policing or whether it's like, have you told a story? Have you Have you marketed a better story? you know, to these, to these people, right? Have you, have you told them something about Bitcoin that's bad? That's good. And I think in my piece, I tried to defend the modern Bitcoin maximalist worldview because I think the worldview is really strong and it's very clearly defined and there's a lot to like about it, right? There's a lot about the current, it's, it's very easy to inhabit, right? I think you see people who are sort of in or around Bitcoin or cryptocurrency for years and there's nothing for them to latch onto. Uh, whereas the Bitcoin maximalist worldview is pretty easy. It's Bitcoin is good. It is a money that will create freedom for the world. 
fiat currencies are bad because they're the old regime. And then cryptocurrencies, to the extent that they exist, are either something you shouldn't be doing, they're a new form of Wall Street, bad investment, whatever. It's a very, very defined worldview. There's three camps, right? Uh, and so I guess the the question then again is you have to go back and it's like, how, how real is that? How real is that view? Is it actually rooted in you know, uh, technical specifics, but I, anyway, I feel like I'm maybe getting off yeah, topic sure, here, sure. but I- <laughs> yeah, no, I've got you. And I think the other question that people are probably thinking in the comment that I can imagine listeners are thinking is, look, sometimes there are basically shit coiners who are using this term maxi as a way of deflecting criticism from their own projects, from their own investments and from things that enrich them. And so it's, it's almost like they just use it as a deflection tool and they know that by critiquing all those toxic maxis, they get this sort of inbuilt fan base or allies from other shitcoiners who sort of say, oh yeah, I'm with you, person ABC. Oh, those maxis are just rude and intolerant or they are just, you know, well, that's why the conversation is yeah. bad on either side, because it doesn't actually focus on what the incentive problem is. So, And I think this is what the point I've really tried to impress on Udi, though I don't know how successful it's been, is that if it is true that the cryptocurrency world beyond Bitcoin believes now that Bitcoin is a unique invention and that what they're doing is no longer to recreate Bitcoin, right? So this this is a change, right? So again, we're, we're going to reintroduce a claim here. And so for a long time, it was the claim of people who were building alternative cryptocurrencies that what they were doing was to replace or extend Bitcoin or, or to do something that Bitcoin couldn't do. This was, this was an implicit part of the marketing. It was an implicit part of the marketing for years. Uh, and it's and the claim here is that this has ended, right? This was the conversation around, if you remember Terra Luna, which was the you know stable coin that was buying Bitcoin that collapsed. The claim here is that that has changed and the new group of currencies, the cryptocurrencies or crypto asset projects, whatever, recognize Bitcoin's role as money. They recognize a future where Bitcoin will be continue to be the dominant cryptocurrency. And what they are doing is is not opposed to that, that the opposition of them to that is just mismarketing. That is essentially the intermediaries, the financial exchanges, the companies the you know in the space who essentially aren't clarifying to the consumers that there's been the change. That's the claim. Yeah. Now, even on that, I think there's probably two main points. I, I get that you're saying that's just a claim, but there's probably two main lines of disagreement even on that point, right? Because one point would be, hang on. What about all those people with ultrasound in their <laughs> in their names, right? They're kind of making an argument, again, so, sort of suggesting, and this is not just like a few fringe people. You'll see on Twitter, there's a bunch of people with this ultrasound emojis in their yeah, name. Right, it's an implicit part of Ethereum culture that Ethereum is competing as money. And I, I, I think that's pretty obvious that that, <laughs> that that is, if not the mainstream view of the Ethereum community, at least a, a view of a dominant subgroup. So now it's like a large yeah, minority, right. even if it wasn't the majority, right? And then the other point is that there are literally some shitcoiners who are sponsoring attacks against Bitcoin, right? So the obvious example, Chris Larson, right, yeah. what is he, CEO or CTO of Ripple? Like basically, I he's, he's no Ripple. longer involved, but he was the founder of the company, yeah. He was gotcha, the founder right. of the Ripple, which is the company that issued XRP. So, Back to the show in a moment. The events at exchanges and lending platforms over the last few weeks have been an important reminder of how important it is to take control of your Bitcoin keys. Holding your Bitcoin with someone else puts you at risk of blocked withdrawals when you need your Bitcoin most, or even worse, having your Bitcoin caught in someone else's insolvency. This is where Unchained Capital can help. Unchained offers concierge onboarding. This is a personalized service to guide you through setting up cold storage and help you with withdrawing from an exchange into keys that you control. They ship you the hardware, they walk you through the setup, they answer your questions, and there's some ongoing support afterwards to help you get comfortable. So if you've been putting it off, this is a great time to get started, concierge onboarding can help you. Go and book yours, unchained.com slash concierge. Use the code Lavera for a discount there. If you're interested in Bitcoin security, consider coinkite.com. They have the cold card. This is, in my view, the leading Bitcoin signing device. And you can use this in all kinds of different configurations, whether that is single signature or multi-signature or single signature with a passphrase, or you can use it with seed XOR, a plausibly deniable means of storing secrets in two or more parts that each look and behave just like the original secret. So the cold card is a very well-recommended device in the community, and that's for good reason. It's because it has all sorts of features that make it very practical to use as part of your 
your Bitcoin security setup and it allows you to take your keys offline. So if you want the new cold card, go to coinkite.com and use the code Levera for a discount. And finally, brains.com. Brains are a Bitcoin mining software and service provider in the space. And if you are doing Bitcoin mining, you've got to check out brains.com. They have Brains OS Plus. This is firmware that you should be looking and considering to install on your Bitcoin ASIC machines. It can give you additional efficiency and get you more sats for the same hash rate. You can find that some people are improving efficiency by as much as 25%. You can mine on any pool or you can choose to mine with Brains OS Plus and point your hash rate to slush pool. If you do that, you get 0% pool fees. And on the Brains website, you can find Bitcoin mining content and also the Insights dashboard. So this is really useful if you want to keep up to date on what's going on in the world of Bitcoin mining. That website is insights.brains.com and it's Brains with two eyes. Back to the show. Right. And then he's put in $5 million into Greenpeace and this other EWG organization that are basically out here trying to attack Bitcoin's proof of work. So it's kind of like, which one is it? Well, that's right? what I'm saying is I, th- I think really you want to kind of, I, I think what I've been viewing this as is, is an opportunity to kind of rehash this conversation. I think during the bull market, I think it made sense for each camp to like settle into their preferred position and then just sort of remain in opposition to each other. But here we are in the bear market. Nobody gives a shit about us anymore. <laughs> so we have to dig our way. Out. We have to dig our way out of it. Uh, and so the question is, like, do we have any alignments here? Right. And I think the more interesting thing that that and again, this isn't something that Nick has said, but, you know, given that he's somewhat influenced by Udi and that we've, we know that Udi believes this, I think it's interesting to think about is like, is there any scenario where there's alignment? And again, my comment goes back to the to the original one, which is that you know, again, if you, you have to actually think about what Bitcoin maximalism exists to do, right? And it exists to do a couple of things. It exists to, to make clear that Bitcoin is something completely separate from the rest of the cryptocurrency universe. Uh, and it exists to provide a reason for people to fund development and for people to build Bitcoin businesses and for people to actually extend and and uh, build, you know, this truly decentralized financial system that again has these, you know, the human rights benefits that Alex Gladstein has been talking about, right? That is that is legitimately good for the world. The other cryptocurrencies, the extent that they exist, the question I think then is like, okay, well, to what are what extent are you to accept something else from them? Is the Bitcoin maximalist ideology completely opposed to them, like in any form, or are they just conf- opposed to them in a format where they're doing one of the two things that I just mentioned, which is either just misleading people about what Bitcoin is, or they're discouraging people to invest in Bitcoin, right? So my point is that like, you can't actually reject Bitcoin maximalism without solving those two things, because it solves those two things very well, and that it gives you a specific reason (laughs) to do those two things. And again, now we're getting into the question of like, okay, well, is that the best we can do? Or can you find a way to, to solve those two problems in another way? That I don't know. That I think is interesting. And I think it's worth discussing, uh, which is, again, partly why I published this article and, and to, to, to promote this discussion, because I think, you know, the unfortunate part is the people who want to demonize Nick or punish Nick for what he did. You know, I understand why they did it. I'm making clear in this article why they did it. Uh, but then I would also, as a participant in that conversation, ask those people, is there a better way to have done this? I understand why you did this. I, I get it. I understand it. Um, it is the best current solution we have for solving this problem. Uh, and I do agree that it is a way to solve this problem. Right. So I agree with that, that I agree that Bitcoin maximalism exists. I believe that it's the best current lens in the market. And I believe all the claims that people are making about it, that I, I believe that it reduces consumer harm, right? You're looking at what happened, right? And again, there's there's a spectacular collapse of the lenders in the space, the people who the Bitcoin maximalists were telling the new people to come in, you know, buy Bitcoin, take it off the exchange to get a wallet. Are, are the exchanges doing that? Are the Bitcoin, are the crypto industry companies doing that? They're not doing that. So who's going to do that, right? And the answer is the, the Bitcoin maximalist people on <laughs> who spend their time on Twitter and in clubhouses doing the hand-to-hand combat with new people. Because again, I think the the other side of the the Nick and Udi argument, and again, this comes from the intellectualization of it, is like they're smart people. They get it. They can sit and read white papers all day. They work in the industry. The average person who came into the market in April of last year, it's like they're just here to get money. They're just here to to, to they don't have any idea, no conception. Like they have no idea why they're here. They don't know what anything is. 
Uh, and, you know, again, they're constantly being misled and, mis and mismarketed to by virtually everyone. Right. So, again, like if you're going to make a steel man case for Bitcoin maximalism, and again, this is what, what I think I did in the article is what else are you going to tell these people? You know, even people like, you know, it's like my own brother, <laughs> like, right, I've, I've I have three brothers. My, one of my brothers is now a Bitcoiner. He told my brother to get into Bitcoin. My brother listens to side again. I don't I don't I, I try not to influence their financial decisions. So my brother ended up with his girlfriend's brother, ended up getting him Bitcoin, but an account on Voyager. And I'm like sitting there in October. I'm like, what are you? What are you? I was like, I've never heard of that company. You should take your keys off the exchange. You know, so, OK, his Bitcoin now is, is gone. Right. <laughs> so, so, you know, again, uh, there's an actual real hand to hand combat and that the and this is this is, again, a new criticism that I didn't raise in the piece, but I think is valid is the, the crypto industry companies fundamentally do not care about who is losing money in these situations, right? They, they don't deal with the people. They profit from right? it. Right, they don't. They yeah. don't actually interface with the guy at the kitchen table who listened to other people babble. And again, you know, who for some reason listened to my brother and not me, uh, who's been working in the industry for eight years and decided to like trust this weird exchange and then just put, a put some money in it and just lose it in entirety. That happens. This is real. This is a real problem. <laughs> it's a real problem. It's happening. And again, Bitcoin maximalism has a tool set to address it. You, you can you can argue that tool set. Sure. Happy to do it. But it exists. And again, it's not Dick Carter and Udi's world. That's not that's not where they live. They're not having those conversations. They're not witnessing those things happen. Uh, so, again, you have to say something to the people who are coming to the market. And, and, and we have to mitigate consumer harm in some way. And I think of all the philosophies in the space, Bitcoin maximalism, I think, does the best job of us. It says, hold your own money, take it off the exchange. This is what is valuable with technology. If you're going to come in and you're going to lose everything to something else, at least do this. This is the American hodl. At least love yourself. Take take the Bitcoin off the exchange, right? This is a, there's a valuable components to this, right? Um, so again, if we're really entering an era where the battle lines are redrawn, uh, my what I'm trying to implore the people who are, are are kind of attacking the ideology is that they're they're intellectualizing this far too much. This is this is a this is really a cultural movement. Bitcoin maximalism is a cultural movement, and I think this is where Udi's and Nick's critiques like often fall flat is because they're they're bringing in technical arguments. the The idea that for some reason Bitcoin needs side chains or like it needs to lower the block size like these are all technical arguments. They're 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 just they're completely irrelevant. To the domain that Bitcoin maximalism currently addresses, are they valid? Are is there is there merit to them? Sure. Again, I'm happy to debate all this stuff, and to the extent that I've done this in my other work, it's like you know the the article that I published prior to this article on Bitcoin maximalism was essentially, you know, looking at, uh, you know, it was essentially. Um, it's called Bitcoin after 2140. It was like looking at the different versions of maximalism. So essentially saying that like, you know, even within Bitcoin maximalism, if you're looking at it from purely a technical definition, there's there's just all these different ways to slice it, right? So again, there's this, there's a complexity to the technical definition of like, can we achieve everything that you can with other cryptocurrencies on Bitcoin? That's like almost a separate problem. That's outside of what this, this conversation is, in my opinion. It's not really why Bitcoin maximalism exists. It was why Bitcoin maximalism existed. That, that is why it started. It started from a technology conversation, but it's no longer a purely technological conversation. So if you're going to fight it on those grounds, Godspeed. But like, I can't believe you're going to get anywhere because I don't think the newer people view it at that, as that at all. They're not even thinking about that. Um, so if you want to go die on the yeah. low ground, you know, go do it. But uh, it's a bad way to approach the conversation because I just don't think you're going to get any. Nobody's going to understand what you're talking about. Yeah, sure. So what about this argument then of the... I guess, without talking about specific individuals, I guess, is it that the, you know, I'm asking this devil's advocate, right? Uh -huh. Is it is it that there's a, a way to be a responsible shitcoiner, right? Is there a way to be a responsible, from their point of view, crypto person who, uh, let's say, guides people to the non-scam projects while warning against the scammiest crypto coins such as the Terra Luna. Well, I think Udi's argument comes from, and again, this is something that I would agree with him, that, that the people that the Bitcoin ide ideology really hasn't assimilated in any way, is that there are now a group of projects that provide, that use cryptocurrencies to provide a product or service, and that that product or service is not dissimilar from what the centralized custodians are providing. So if you look at, you know, uh, and again, this is a classic Udi example, BlockFi and Aave are essentially 
the same thing. You deposit assets in them. You 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 are you get money lend you you know you're lent money at some rate, and this is a product or service, right? So Udi's argument, I think, in this instance is that Bitcoin maximalism essentially is anti, you know, starts to become, starts to look like something that's like anti-business or like anti-capitalism in some way. Because, you know, if you take a pure capitalism argument and say, okay, well, there's decentralized services that exist. They have their own set of risks, which is that they have, you know, uh, depository risk, you know, whatever the risk profile of the lending that they're doing on the back end. And then you have these DeFi protocols uh, and they have developer risk, right? And surely somebody can introduce a bug. Uh, There can be some sort of, you know, uh, governance around these tokens that influences the the software protocol. Uh, But for all intents and purposes, they're providing you the same thing, which is you're depositing Bitcoin on them or wrapped Bitcoin or something. Uh, You're getting some loan at some rate uh, and you're able to go on your day having used the service, right? So uh, again, and I think this is where my inclination is this argument is going to start to to move to this forum, which is that, yes, there are there. These things exist. They do. Uh, and the Bitcoin maximalism uh, perspective is to currently treat those things as if they are entirely similar to the safe moons and the Shiba Inus of the world, which are totally useless grifts. So I don't think that's my view. I think my view is that, okay, so the question then becomes, can you or should you create these things on Bitcoin? Is, is it better to have the alternative to BlockFi like, exist on the Bitcoin blockchain in a trustless manner? And I think the answer to that is unequivocally, yes, it is It is better to build it on, on Bitcoin. So in an environment where you allow these other decentralized protocols to continue to get business, and again, this is where Udi really objects to the you allow part, because what can you really do? They exist. Uh, so you, where an environment where these things continue to exist, they will compete and discourage that. So again, I think this is where now we're sort of starting to get to like, okay, we're getting past the bad arguments to some of the good terrain arguments. So in an environment where you have decentralized lenders that exist outside of the Bitcoin world, and you possibly could build that in a trustless way on Bitcoin, what is your incentive to do that? And again, this is my argument that this is what Bitcoin maximalism solves. It actually, it gives you the reason to do that. The reason to do that is the other thing is immoral or bad or not ideal and it could be done in a better way. So if you so if you lose the moral penalty here, if you lose this idea that that building on Bitcoin is the best possible thing you can do, uh, then you allow the incentives to be warped. It's just simply you would just do the thing that provides you the most monetary return, like as an individual in a rational world, right? You would just build uh, the cryptocurrency lending service that uses wrapped Bitcoin, does not build on the Bitcoin protocol. You don't have to spend years trying to go through the service, you know, through the technical process of Bitcoin to do that. Uh, You exit in, you know, three years, you dump your tokens and then you leave. And maybe the project continues. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe people find it useful. Maybe they don't. Uh, So that's the choice that the entrepreneurs face. And so what I'm trying to make the case to the Udis and the Nixes is that you have to give them something. So what is the reason they are building a Bitcoin? If you, the venture capitalist, are not going to invest in Bitcoin-only businesses, you who even believes that Bitcoin is the best of all cryptocurrencies, well, then who will? Who's going to do that? Or will just never happen, right? So now this is really where the argument is, right? And this is really why people are upset. They're upset at Nick because he is in a position where he could do that, right? He could make the choice to fund the development of those things and say, hey, this is a good idea. I'd rather build it on Bitcoin. I'd actually, I'm going to fund the, look for a team to fund this on Bitcoin. This is how the this is how people perceive this, right? And this is what they perceive as him doing that is wrong. Uh, and so my point in trying to describe this is that this isn't about people bullying Nick or getting mad at Nick for those reasons. It's about them being legitimately unhappy with the decision that he made and the incentives behind it because they exacerbate the problem that they're trying to solve, which is they're trying to get legitimately useful things built on Bitcoin. That That is what Bitcoin maximalism is currently trying to solve. And if you refuse to understand the, the modern cultural movement of Bitcoin as trying to achieve that, then you will not get anywhere. So if you want to get somewhere, you have to address that problem. What is the what is the way that that problem gets solved? And if it isn't, you, the venture capitalist who's in a position to make change, chooses to fund that project because you are aligned with Bitcoin and the Bitcoin ethos, a la Jack Dorsey. Jack Dorsey has done this very well. What is the alternative? That's the question. Yeah. So 
lots of things there. So I think some of the arguments will be that, oh, okay, it's not technically feasible on Bitcoin. Or the other argument that I think Nick made himself was, oh, look, we've got this funding. We just can't find the companies to put it into. And so that's another argument. So I think it also does bring up this whole question of what exactly is building on Bitcoin? Because even that question can be, it can be a bit of a blurry line. This is where I think, you know, again, if you go... And I'm trying to again pick at both sides here and, and and really kind of you know say that there are legitimate questions on either side, right? So I think Udi's claim, if you really trace it back to the end of last year, where where he you know really started with this whole thing, is that you know an environment where you, you we the Bitcoin users are not allowing Bitcoin to change, right? Where we are not making decisions to further the Bitcoin protocol in some way, and people are then choosing to build elsewhere. Are we not complicit? you know, in that have, is the decision not on us, right? On, on some level. And again, I think that you can get into that. I think Udi's terrible at articulating a lot of these points. I've told that to him, I think personally, but I would say like, that is the question. Is it actually partly our fault that this is occurring or that, or we should, maybe that's how we should look. Is there a benefit to us looking at it that way? And again, I think this is where the anger at like liquid and blockstream particularly comes from. Uh, it's this idea that because an idea was had, uh, you know, because the developers had a theoretical proposal proposal and they did not achieve it. They didn't think that they, you know, they didn't think that you could preserve Bitcoin as it currently is and achieve that. And they chose to stop doing that. Uh, they see that as some sort of reneging or some, you know, uh, they see this as some sort of dishonest or, or, or fraudulent market activity. I think that's entirely unfair. Um, Bitcoin is a science, you know, this is, a, a, this is something that we don't know how to do. Uh, and you have to make good faith attempts to extend Bitcoin and then recognize that those aren't going to actually possibly happen. Right. So like another one of these is that if people are new and they don't understand what sidechains was, I mean, you know, you can look at the Tarot proposal by Lightning Labs. Right. So this is a proposal to rebuild a stablecoin infrastructure on top of Bitcoin. It's probably the biggest technical proposal since sidechains. And in, in many ways, it's very similar. It's essentially the Bitcoin technical community saying aspirationally, we think we can achieve this. We think we can migrate the stablecoin infrastructure over to Bitcoin. And we think that doing that is more beneficial for the world. We're going to actually take this idea that now exists with, you know, centralized entities and we're going to migrate it to the trustless Bitcoin blockchain. They might not achieve that. And and that might be okay. Like that they might not be able to be achieved now. It might be able to be achieved later. But again, my my would draw back to the point is that if those people weren't Bitcoin maximalists, I think they are. I don't think they could do what they're doing if, without being Bitcoin maximalists. Why would they do that? Like, why would they make the choice to try to build <laughs> these stablecoins on this trustless Bitcoin infrastructure? They they have to have a reason for the choice. And my my point is that the the right now that reason is moral. It is it is a belief structure. You have to believe that Bitcoin is the greatest money that will exist, and you have to believe that expend extending that system for the maximum possible benefit for the greatest number of people is ethical and moral. And you have to deny a financial incentive to do otherwise. <laughs> so again, uh, where we arrive at a really, which is the essential problem is that Bitcoin maximalism solves this problem very well. It, it, it actually clearly articulates why a person in that situation would make that choice. And nowhere in the counter arguments is there anything resembling something that is being presented for another reason that someone would do that. So let me summarize then. Essentially, you're saying it's like this cultural and moral reasoning behind why build something in a way that works with Bitcoin, even if it's the long pathway, even if you can't take the quick money now. That's essentially what you're getting at, uh, as opposed to, and I, I guess in a way you're contrasting that with, let's say, it is a pragmatic or technical only reason for building on Bitcoin. You're saying there's almost this cultural or moral element. Well, I'm saying that, yeah, the technical reason is only part of it. It misses the thing that is actually trying to be solved. So in in, in focusing on the technical thing, they, they they miss the greater problem. Like the problem is not, oh, we can't build sidechains on Bitcoin, so therefore all these other cryptocurrency projects should exist. The, the problem is how do you, how, why do you incentivize people? If you believe that it's technically possible for the, for the Bitcoin system, to expand, to be maximally useful, right? Including the greatest number of, of things, businesses, and services are, are moved to a trustless, decentralized financial system. Then what is the reason that you do that? What is, what is the reason that you make a choice to build and extend that infrastructure versus building a separate infrastructure 
unrelated to it that provides that service in a way that is going to enrich you financially faster and provide the same service with fewer benefits to the end user or, or less benefits to the end user than what is possible. And again, I think this is where you get into the many, many questions that once we're framing something like this, you get into, is this disingenuous? Is it the correct framing? Whatever. But this is the framing. This is, you have to actually fight this on this framing because you, again, you, what is the reason that we are building on Bitcoin? Uh, and again, do you, do you think that there will be some limits to what we can build on Bitcoin? I mean, obviously, the, the we'll reach some. It's a, it's an abstract question. It's like saying, are there limits to where we can go in outer space? I mean, it's like, how do you know? <laughs> you have to build rockets. You have to put chimpanzees in them, and then people, and you have to fire them into space. Like, there's just no, <laughs> there's no other greater way to do this, right? Uh, so that to me, that is the Bitcoin maximalist viewpoint. So you have to expand out into the universe, and it's going to be a painful process with many rocket launches. And many failures, but you need to then incentivize that process, right? You have to define like what is the reason that that process continues. Uh, and right now, Bitcoin maximalism in its current ideological form like does that very well. It says you know you are doing the right moral thing by doing that, and you should not do these other things uh, because even if they give people uh, a service today that maybe they can't have elsewhere, it's it's not the right thing to do to advance you know the human cause, right? That's 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 Bitcoin maximalism, and if you're gonna fight it. Fight it on those grounds, uh, but don't fight it on this weird sort of like you know culty social social argument ground because it's just not helpful. You're just you just you're just fundamentally ignoring what is trying to be achieved. And then this is what sort of is exposed is like after reading Nick's post, it's like I have to wonder. It's like okay, does he think that that's not what is happening here? Does he know? Does does he not think that extending the Bitcoin protocol is the right thing to do? For 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 humans, for for like for for us, you know, as as use, innovating on financial infrastructure, is is that something that he doesn't see? Otherwise, I don't know how to explain the behavior, right? And so this explains some of the negative reactions to it, right? Yeah, let me key into one other aspect of your definition. So I think the third prong of your definition about you know things being achieved either by Bitcoin or by a CFI alternative. Here's another idea, right? So is I view Bitcoin as mostly challenging central banks. I don't view it as challenging all banking. Like mm. I actually see a role for banks, ideally full reserve banks on a Bitcoin standard. And I guess maybe one way I'm thinking of it is more like Bitcoin is just doing the money and all those other things, not all of them, but many of them may well be done by centralized institutions. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think, you know, it's not that Bitcoin has to achieve everything on chain or in some technical way. It's more like I'm interested more in solving that monetary issue first and foremost. And then those other things, well, then you, know, you could be built by this, business. You know, then you sort of get into this. Okay, so if you support those centralized infrastructures, right? And let's just say hypothetically, the 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 you know crypto version of that is correct is that you, you can actually meaningfully distribute the operations of those things. I don't think you can decentralize them, but let's just say you can meaningfully distribute them, and those services can be competitive. You know, with those centralized entities, this is where I feel like Udi's argument is strongest. It's like if you if you if you assume a world where all cryptocurrencies are considered other than Bitcoin are considered equities, let's just not even say securities. Let's just let's just assume they're considered equities, uh, and you assume that they support some sort of alternative to a centralized business. Are they still immoral? Like in that case, and and this is this is really gets to the fundamentals of what. You know, if you really ask me, like what I think that Bitcoin maximalism wants, and I think how you satisfy the movement is, I I think it really just wants Bitcoin to be clearly differentiated. I don't I don't think that people actually really care how. I think this idea, like, and and again, I think this is where some of the criticisms are coming across. Like, there was the Bitcoin legal tender movement, and then there was the oh, let's call all other cryptocurrency securities movement. Both of these have been supported by like Michael Saylor and B. Kelly and all these other people. Is that really what we want? I don't actually think so. I think we we just want Bitcoin to be meaningfully differentiated from everything else. We want everyone else to treat Bitcoin as what it is, which is, is the one decentralized cryptocurrency. That's it. It's the decentralized non-government money. And I think, I think, I think Bitcoin maximalists will live in a world and they will accept a world where Bitcoin is treated as that and the other cryptocurrencies are just treated as something else. And, I, and again, I don't think they really care about securities laws. I think they, they just care about that other stuff being treated differently. And this is where I think, you know, again, you're getting to some of the more interesting stuff in Udi's arguments where it's like in an environment where you, I, do you can you have those other cryptocurrencies? Can they be something else? Can they still 
not be regulated as securities? Can they still actually compete in the kind of market that Bitcoin has where anyone can buy them and anyone can buy and sell them? Uh, and are we okay with that? Can we as Bitcoin maximalists live in that world? Because I, I, I think what, what the strongest part of Udi's criticism was essentially saying like, okay, this is where this is going. Again, his claim. And again, this is we're both talking for communities that I think are filled with a lot more complexity. But again, his claim is that the cryptocurrency builders of the world recognize this. Maybe they're not doing the best job of it. That's his claim. So can you live in that world? And I think that that I think the answer is yes, uh, because I think really what Bitcoin maximalists care about is one, differentiating Bitcoin meaningfully from everything else. And then they care about consumer harm that is done by misrepresenting yeah. that. Uh, and I think I think a world in which those two things are meaningfully addressed and crypto assets still exist other than Bitcoin and they can be dismissed, ignored, you know, we can try to improve them. Uh, whatever, pick your definition. I think that's a better world than what we have now, right? Where both of those communities are just opposed to each other. And, and in being opposed to each other, the end result of that is these other cryptocurrencies essentially market themselves in opposition to Bitcoin. Uh, the question then is, okay, is that an achievable world? Uh, that, this is where I think like some of the interesting yeah. questions are, right? Is that an achievable yeah, world? Sure. And would you accept it? And I'm curious, like, would you accept that, right? Like, would you, like in a world where you can buy and sell any other cryptocurrency as an unregulated form of equity, but then everyone meaningfully differentiates that Bitcoin is something else. Like, would you live, is that something you can accept under your definition of Bitcoin maximalism? I believe yes. Yeah, I believe yes. I mean, if if it was like Bitcoin is, you know, Bitcoin and, and these other things are equities or securities, then I could appreciate that. And I think part of this also comes to, because obviously Bitcoin has different ideologies inside it, but generally speaking, broadly speaking, it's cypherpunks and libertarians is kind of broadly speaking. Now, as a libertarian, we could say, look, abolish the SEC, abolish, you know, we right, believe yeah. that, you know, there should not be an SEC, it should be fully market. Now, to be clear, libertarians still believe there should be laws against fraud. And they may have an issue with some of the shit coins on that basis because they may believe that there's been fraudulent marketing, deceptive advertising, uh, and this kind of thing going on. Or they could secondarily believe that a government has, if governments have kind of given a, a preference in that way, then that could be seen like, okay, that's not okay. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, if, if it's seen like, you know, for a long time, I personally have been saying Bitcoin, not crypto, right? In terms of, you know, as a guidance, as a, you know, again, as a, I guess, as a maximalist, as we, we might say. So, uh, yeah, from my point of view, the short version is yes. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that because would I think be okay. what people, I think, I think one of the core claims of the Bitcoin maximalist movement is, is about consumer protection. And it's about how the cryptocurrency industry treats the end consumer, right? Again, and so, you know, I'm interested to see as this argument unfolds. Personally, I think this is going to be where the next couple of years of argument happen because I, I i i think there's there's too much on either side here and uh you know i'm not sure what the right way forward is but you know again if, if this is what's happening you know generally you know speaking these these sort of bull and bear markets you know you, you do have a relitigation of like what bitcoin is and the and the ideology right and so i think yeah, sure. to me i think the one of the worst ways to read this piece the piece that nick put out is that this is sort of an opportunistic way to do that right he sort of understands that there's going to be this changing of the guards and you know his his opening salvo is just rip it all down i oppose that because again i think that there is there is something there is there is worthwhile infrastructure within yeah. the Bitcoin maximalist movement. It is if you think the Bitcoin maximalist movement is just people yelling on Twitter, that's not it. <laughs> yeah, of course. So I mean, look, uh, let's leave it with that then. I guess the final question and any closing thoughts is Bitcoin maximalism still needed? Absolutely. I think as long as there exists an environment where there is a lack of clarity for the end user of the person who is coming into cryptocurrency, and as long as people require a world where we want to extend bitcoin and bring the you know its full capabilities to life there will need to be a way to support those two things and i think that's what bitcoin maximalism does very well it actually in in lack of a market signal it provides an incentive to build and extend the bitcoin protocol for the greater good of of the human cause and i think it it also does a great job of protecting the newer people in the space uh, from things that they don't understand and marketing that is disadvantageous to them. Uh, in, a, in, a, in attempting that, is it is it always honest, truthful, factual, and technically correct? I, my answer to that would be no. I don't think that it is. But again, that misconstrues what 
Bitcoin maximalism is, is, is a cultural movement. And it's a cultural movement founded around certain ideas, trying to solve certain problems. And then that's the like, I just want to take a huge Sharpie and like underline that. Uh, and it is currently doing a good job at solving those problems, which is why it's around. People are using, people are, you know, you agree, you're a libertarian. People use tools that are useful. If the ideology wasn't useful, nobody would adopt it. You don't see many, you know, stellar maximalists out there. They don't exist. The market doesn't, the market doesn't, the market doesn't need it. <laughs> you know, there's no, uh, you know, what's the other one? Bit, what was Dan Larimer's first project called? Bit shares. Bit or shares. Something? Yeah. Bit shares. Yeah. There's yeah. no more bit shares, right? You know, the market doesn't need that ideology. The market clearly needs the Bitcoin maximalist ideology. It's clearly valuable uh, or people wouldn't be using it. So therefore rejecting it is entirely stupid endeavor. Yeah, excellent thoughts. And I, I think uh, definitely something to chew on there for SLP listeners. Listeners go, if you're not already, make sure you're following Pete on Twitter. His handle is at Pete underscore Rizzo underscore. And of course, read all his work over at Bitcoin yeah. Magazine. And uh, I'll link to the Forbes piece. Uh, thank you again for joining me, Pete. Great to be here. Always enjoy it. We'll, we'll, see you, we'll see you at the next Bitcoin conference, I hope. So what do you think? Is maximalism still needed? Go to stefanlevera.com slash 392 for the show notes, and I'll see you in the Citadels.